Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sussingham. Have you been to the airport lately? It's pretty busy. There are lots of changes afoot. There's more air traffic. Ride shares are making an impact in the car lanes. And there are hip new restaurants and shops inside the terminals, and you don't have to have a plane ticket to visit them. Lots of changes are happening at our smaller regional airports, but for the sake of time, we're just focusing on the two biggest players in our area, the international airports in Tampa and Orlando. To talk about all these changes, I have Bill Brooks here. He's the Southeast Aviation Leader at HNTB Corporation. That's an infrastructure design firm. And Al Illustrato is Executive Senior Vice President at Tampa International Airport. Thank you both so much for being here. Our pleasure. Thank you. Our pleasure as well. The U.S. is experiencing a 4.9% annual growth rate for airline passenger traffic, and Florida airports are growing even faster than that. So airports across the state are in the middle of or preparing for massive expansion projects aimed at accommodating all those passengers. Plus, the phenomenon of ride-sharing services has really affected airport car traffic. Al Illustrato, car traffic has been increasing at Tampa International, about 8 to 10 percent a year. So describe what the curbside traffic has been like at peak times at Tampa International. Certainly. So uh, most U.S. airports are experiencing similar with rideshare or TNC, transportation network companies, have added to the volume of traffic on our roadways. And so Tampa is no different. But fortunately for us, we were able to decongest our terminal somewhat and move our rental cars to the south to a new rental car center. And that has uh, produced some additional capacity on our curbs. I remember I was disappointed to see the rental car move. It used to be so convenient. Um, You know, you could just walk right across the street and get your rental car. But I understand now that it's relieved congestion. But if it's done such a good job of relieving congestion, then what's the need for these, all this construction of these new uh, express curbsides? So that's a great question, Robin. We have a three-phase master plan that will hopefully get the airport to about 34 million annual passenger capacity. Today we're at 22. So in the first phase, we decongested by building a rental car center, connecting it with a people mover. In the second phase, we're building expanded curbsides. We call them express lanes. It's really innovative and it's gonna be great for all the travelers at the airport because if you have a boarding pass from home or on your mobile device, which a lot of folks have today, and no checked luggage, you'll be able to use the express lanes and get right up to the transfer level and catch your flight. So that will further increase our capacity at our curbsides to handle the growing volume. So when we get our final phase of the master plan, which we're targeting for completion about 2024, which is a new 16-gate domestic and international terminal. So again, with all of the three phases completed at that time, we should be able to push through ultimately 34 million annual passengers or more. So that's what you're looking at 
34 million passengers. You're at, what, 21 million now? About 22. When are you thinking you would get to that 34 million mark? Probably in the late um, 2030 timeframe before we get to that, uh, that volume. But who knows, with uh, advances in technology and other things, we may be able to even push beyond that. But we're, what we're pleased with in this uh, master plan that an HNTB uh, helped us with is to be able to maximize the airport's capacity in its existing footprint that has is, is really been uh, well received over the years. It's a, it's a great original design, very efficient, short walking distances. It is a great airport. I mean, especially compared to, I'm sort of, I live in between Tampa and Orlando. I use Orlando a lot. Uh, Bill, you're, you're going to talk about Orlando because you work on that airport. But, I mean, Tampa, really, the design is so much more efficient, it seems. Well, it's, it's interesting because in the original master plans for both airports, they were done by the same individual. Uh, Dick Howery, who's passed away, was one of the original master planners who came up with the separate air side, land side, connected by an APM concept. So originally, both Tampa and Orlando had that same master plan. And Howard is the H in HNTB? Howry. No, Dick Howry, he worked for another <laughs> firm, H-A-U-R-Y, and he's passed away. But had that vision for minimizing walking distances, as Al just talked about, to make it convenient for, especially for origin and destination airports like both Tampa and Orlando are. So, Bill... You know, what we're interested in is what are some things that that are happening that just are going to make the experience a little bit easier, a little bit more pleasant for people? Well, and and again, you'll see both of these kinds of things at both Tampa and Orlando and other airports uh, around the the country. One of the biggest ones is the 100% advanced automated screening lane. So we're all used to putting our things in a tub, going through a checkpoint having to deal with the tubs on the other side. These automated screening lanes uh, automate that entire process, and they'll be able to get you through the TSA checkpoint much more quickly. How would that work? Well, it's the same kind of process, but it's a little bit longer lane, so you have more time to reconstitute yourself and your things and regather the things on the other side of the, the machine. What do you mean it's um, automated? There's not going to be a person there looking at the screen? Well, there will be people looking at the screen, but the process of the tubs and putting your things in the tub, taking them out on the other end, and then someone having to carry that tub back around. Uh, and you, you, you may have experienced having to wait before you go through the checkpoint for a tub. So all of that basically is automated that comes back to the beginning point. Some other things I think that are, that are key that are happening right now is, is facial recognition and biometric screening for international arrivals and departures. U.S. Customs and Border Protection has, has been mandated to improve the international uh, arrival and departure sequence. So the way they're going about that, and I believe Tampa's well into their program here as well. Orlando has uh, at all of its international arrival and departure gates. But well, essentially it's an iPad-sized monitor which will recognize your face based on your passport photo or your visa photo or your driver's license, whatever's already in a public database, and match that. And the whole intent is to pick up those people who are with a fake passport and, and obviously pick up the bad, the bad folks. Uh, but it's essentially it's going to turn that whole process. If you've ever had an international arrival, you know how long it takes. That's going to drop to be a 90-second process on the way in. And that is just for international flights, or is that going to be used for domestic at some point? Right now, it's the, the, the capability is there for domestic, but right now what we see in Orlando is it's being used for international. Okay. And one of the keys to that program f- for the folks there was that once that information is used in that passenger's process, that data is gone. It's not 
uh, uh, secondarily available for any other use. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. What's going to happen to that data? Is that going to go to you know marketing companies, no. restaurants? No. no, absolutely not. That was critical in the decision in Orlando was that data is gone after it's used in that particular entry. Yes, okay. and at uh, Tampa as well, we're piloting a program like that for the same reasons because it's being mandated um, on the international side, and we believe that we'll learn a lot through the pilot and we'll be able to implement. And then, as you said, Bill, that probably will grow into other things in the future. So, Al, let's talk about international traffic a little sure. bit. Is that part of this growth in airline passenger traffic, international traffic at Tampa International? It sure is. We've been uh, growing our international traffic a lot over the past few years. As a matter of fact, a recent um, a figure that just came out is that we grew over 72% from last July of 18 and to July of 19. Within that same month, 72% increase in passengers. So, 72% for that for the month for the month of July, a 72% increase year July over, year? over July. Wow. Yes. What accounts for that? Well. So we've believed for a long time that there's an untapped market here in the Tampa Bay area. So prior to us uh, launching with Norwegian Airlines in June of 18 to London, we believe that 50% of our passengers that wanted to uh, travel to certain destinations and to, to London were going to Orlando Airport. Now that we have um, that service in from Norwegian, we believe that we capture about 72% of that market. So it's people that, that live here in Tampa that want to fly out of Tampa and don't want to drive to Orlando, and we're capturing more and more of that market. So it's primarily that one airline that's brought in that traffic, no, Norwegian? Has that been? Norwegian is just one. Well, we have new flights um, to Germany and Lufthansa. We've got the Amsterdam flight uh, from Delta. And, and several others that we've brought on since about a 2010 time frame, more than doubled our total international traffic since that time. So what's the country, what's, your, what's the main country people are coming from? Is it Germany? Well, what happens uh, with a lot of these flights, right? So when you connect to, uh, with Lufthansa into Germany, then you can connect through many, go to many, many other countries from that destination. I think on the first uh, flight that we had that came in, uh, we probably had folks from 30 or 40 different countries that were able to travel through that airport to get to Tampa. Is Tampa getting any new direct international flights anytime soon? We're working on a bunch always. Um, so I would say the next ones on the target would be Manchester, Dublin, uh, Mexico, uh, Lima, uh, Bogota. And then um, sort of on the domestic front, Portland remains a target for us. But, you know, as our uh, marketing uh, uh, EVP would say, you know, getting the flights here is one thing, but keeping them here is, is crucial. So we're working very hard to make sure that the visitors that come in are, are treated well and that this, the flights are supported here by our community. And we have a very strong support from our community from the new flights, from the visit Tampa Bay, visit St. Pete, and, and others. Oh, I imagine that's so important to the tourist industry. I mean, you must get a lot of pressure. I would say it's more of it's a collaboration. We're all in this together for this region. Um, the airport, um, you know, bringing new flights in, it opens up business opportunities, leisure opportunities. It's really vital to the community that we bring in new service from all over the world. And one thing, Bill, is that a lot of times our international passengers are used to a level of 
modernity in their airports that we don't always provide. Um, and you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned getting people through security quicker with facial recognition technology. You, you mentioned getting the bags through quicker with an automated bag system. Anything else? Well, on that automated bag system, one of the things that you hear often about international customers, and we refer to them as customers in our firm, uh, but HNTB sees an opportunity there to speed that process up on the way out as well as the way in. And a lot of the hotels require you to check out around 11 a.m. Many of our international departures are evening flights. So with that six or seven hours at the airport in the old days, they were not allowed to check their bags until typically at least three hours before the flight. So they were having to schlep all of this baggage from an international visit to Central Florida around the terminal with them for three or four hours, and it pretty much limited where they could go. So with this new state-of-the-art tote baggage system that we're installing, uh, you have the opportunity for what we call early bag check. So we've created a part of the terminal for this behind the wall so they can check their bags early. And just like you may have heard at Amazon, it's a very large, automated, almost robotic system that takes those bags and stores them, and it knows when their flight leaves, and it goes back and retrieves that bag and puts it into the system at the proper time to load the plane. So they're able to walk around the terminal and enjoy the many concessions and food and beverage and retail opportunities they have at the airport to, to spend some more of that economic impact dollar while they're still here in Florida. That's yep. a great serve. Is that at Tampa also? Are you talking about Orlandoville? That's in the Orlando case. That's yeah. in Orlando, but in Tampa, I will give you one. When we developed our new uh, rental car center, we also put in a remote bag check opportunity. So if someone arrives um, an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half uh, hours before their flight, which many do when they return a rental car, they're able to get a boarding pass if they don't have one already and check their luggage at the rental car center. And then they're able to come up to the, to the terminal hands-free. So five minutes, they're up in the terminal. And as Bill said, then they can enjoy many of the wonderful amenities that we have in our terminal. Oh, absolutely. And so that, much easier um, to go into the restaurant when you don't have, when you're not, you know, have three bags trailing you. That's true. And, and there's some services now that are third party. Uh, we, we almost look at this as a public-private partnership, but there are services now where you can even check your bags at your hotel. And then they go into a sealed vehicle where that particular vendor has uh, the privileges and the security uh, clearance to be able to check those bags through their own sorting facility at the airport. So you can get rid of them as early as the, as the hotel in some cases. Bill, let's talk about what's going on at the Orlando airport. HNTB is the architect of record for Orlando International Airport's new $3 billion terminal, which is the largest new terminal project in the country. Tell us about that. Well, we're, HNTB is very excited and humbled to be as the architect of record for the uh, Orlando airport project. South Terminal C is a new greenfield site south of the existing North Terminal Complex that uh, is envisioned to carry b between 10 and 12 million annual passengers when we open phase one. So we are uh, in the throes of construction right now, about 40% complete. We have 19 new gates, which can accommodate 27 aircraft positions. And that math works because some of these are what we call Mars gates or multiple aircraft ramp system. A neat part of what we're doing, speaking about international travel earlier, is within those Mars gates, we have four of them that are a unique passenger boarding pier design that allows a simultaneous international and domestic gate arrival from two different aircraft at the same boarding pier. And the way they do that, much like Tampa has master planned their future airside, is we have a sterile corridor upstairs for the international arrivals. So when they come off that boarding bridge in that pier, they stay upstairs separate from 
the lower gates from a different aircraft that are a domestic arrival. So we're getting maximum flexibility. When we talk about uh, what we're trying to do to increase the flexibility for capacity expansion at our airports within their existing footprints, technology and, and unique advances like that are going to be what allows us to do that. We're looking forward to the same, uh, Robin, at, uh, at Tampa, because when we build our new 16-gate domestic and international, we'll have our international arrivals come in on the top floor and through hopefully a very uh, nice experience going through FIS processing and then be able to come to the main terminal. We've been talking about the experience on the ground, mm -hmm. um, you know, coming into the airport, but the airplanes, we're anticipating a lot more airplane traffic. There's, there's a new technology coming online with air traffic control where they're going to reduce the space between airplanes. Because of this new air traffic control technology, are you just going to have to sit there on the tarmac and wait for a gate to open up because there's still the log jam once you get on the ground? Those are good points, uh, Robin. So we, we don't anticipate that at Tampa because we have uh, enough gates to handle where we are today, and that's what drives the need to make sure that we get this new 16-gate terminal open because we do expect to have uh, more passenger growth and an increase in the amount of, of operations to the airport as well. So you, have, you will have to eventually build a new terminal. We will have to build that 16-gate terminal and it's an airside similar to the ones we have today. So today we have four airside terminals to meet our existing operation. We will add this fifth one and connect it with the people mover as we have our other um, airsides connected to our main terminal. And we'll have that uh, by around the 2024 timeframe. So these big projects are very expensive. As we said, $3 billion at Orlando. And I guess they're financed mainly with municipal, airport municipal bonds. They're financed in a number of different ways, so airport revenue bonds, uh, something called PFC-backed bonds, so passenger facility charge-backed bonds. So when you fly and on your ticket there's a, a, a $4.50 fee that airports can collect on if certain projects meet that criteria. So there's some amount of that kind of funding also involved in addition to general airport revenue bonds to fund those projects. And at times we do get some grants for our projects. So Florida Department of Transportation supports the airports in Florida in a great way. And they've helped us on our first phase of our master plan with nearly $200 billion in grants and they're lining up to help us with the next phases as well. Who owns Tampa International Airport? Tampa International Airport is uh, owned by Hillsborough County Aviation Authority, and we actually have four airports in the area, the main airport at Tampa, and then we have three general aviation airports, Peter O'Knight, Plant City, and Tampa Executive. So there are government yes. entities that yes. own the airport. That Same correct. thing with Orlando. Correct, yes. the Greater Orlando Aviation Authority. And then uh, they also have Orlando International Airport and Orlando Executive Airport, very similar. Are these projects expensive for the airlines? Because I imagine that the airlines get charged fees for new construction, new runways. They use them, so it gets yes. passed on, I would think, to the airlines. Yes, it depends. Uh, these financing um, for airport projects can get kind of complicated. But yes, the, air, the airlines, um, obviously, through landing fees and other charges, they do uh, pay the airport's bills to a degree that way. We also have many different revenue sources. So our public parking, our concessions, real estate, 
All of those things uh, contribute to the revenues of the airport that go to pay our bills, that go to pay our expenses, and go to pay, repay our bonds as well. Oh, let's talk about concessions. So you have a new program at Tampa. Oh, we're so excited about that, Robin, because this is the community's airport, and we want our community to experience it. So even if you don't have a ticket, uh, if you make a reservation in advance for a Saturday, we allow up to 25 uh, guests per airside, so up to a total of 100, and you'd be able to go to one of our airsides and experience the wonderful uh, shops, restaurants that we have. In Master Plan Phase 1, we created uh, 69 new food and beverage and retail throughout the airport, and they're so well received by our visitors, and we want um, our local community to enjoy them more as well. To date, I think we have probably 1,100 or so that have experienced that on a Saturday, all access pass to come to Tampa, and we, we hope for more in the future. Because it's not just Cinnabons anymore, is that it? That is correct. I mean, there, there were some great local restaurants that have... There's a pretty wide variety and a nice mix of local, which we're thrilled with, and some of the national brands. And again, we would we really love when uh, our community can, can enjoy all those options. So, Bill, what else? What's next? What are some upcoming trends in airport designed that you see that'll make the passenger experience a little better? Well, I think you're going to see a continued evolution in ground transportation options at many of our airports. In Florida, for instance, the uh, uh, Virgin Trains USA connection from Miami to Lauderdale to Palm Beach and eventually to Orlando by 2021 will be the first inner city rail connection connecting airports along the way. And obviously that's coming to Tampa as well. Uh, so that will be a new uh, opportunity for ground transportation options. And in central Florida, that will also connect to our commuter rail system in central Florida that will allow not only just our, our guests and our customers to make the trip, but also our employees to make the trip. So the ground transportation options and also the others, as we've talked about, Uber and Lyft and, and what that does to the curb. You know, we used to just have to have a stand for taxis. Uh, where they would queue up and then be brought to the terminal for, to picking up their trips. Now we also have to have a staging area for all the transportation network companies. So there's a lot more vehicles uh, waiting to pick up a customer on airport property that we have to find a location for. And we, you know, HNTB sees that at our clients all across the country because this type of TNC operation um, is something that's obviously very new. And there's other disruptors out. We call them disruptors because it's not the standard norm that we're used to dealing with, but things like Turo, where you could rent your own car out uh, to someone for the day. And uh, that's, that's re resulted in a whole new dynamic on how we actually allow that transaction to occur on the curb because these people, the, the people at rental car companies, at Lyft and Uber, all pay a privilege fee or an access fee to come on the airport and do business. So when you personally are going to rent your car to someone, uh, that needs to be an off-airport transaction. So other things I think you're going to see for improving the customer experience are going to include, uh, as he alluded to earlier, the self-bag tag. You can print your own bag tag for your, for your luggage at home. Uh, you can check that off property, either at your hotel or there are services that will actually pick it up and deliver it for you now. Uh, and you're going to see more, more and more, I think, of technology enhancements that make the experience within the airports much more enjoyable. We're all very used to our phones and the apps. You're going to see your app for your airport pop up and, uh, and based on your own shopping profile, 
let you know that there's a, if you're a golfer, there's a PGA store coming up in the terminal on your right. Uh, if you're stressed out from your trip, it's going to let you know that there may be a, a massage envy location <laughs> coming up to get that shoulder massage from your long trip. So it's going to be a lot more intuitive. The technology aspect, I think, of what we see in terminals across the country is, is going to really enhance the experience. Robin, if I may, I want to jump into one thing that Bill said about the different transportation options. So when we put our uh, People Mover Sky Connect down to the new rental car center, we also built an additional commercial curb at that location with the vision that we would have buses from the community would come to that location. And so over the uh, last year or so, I believe we now have six different bus routes, one from Pinellas and several from the Hillsborough area. Because travelers, when they come to an airport and we're welcoming visitors from all over the world, they may want a taxi, we have it. They may want an Uber, we have it. Um, and we hope to have more and more public transportation. We have buses, and, uh, and they'll be able to utilize that option a lot more efficiently and effectively. And as Bill said, with train systems, light rail, and everything else that may occur in the community, we want to have a place where that can be integrated into the airport, and that would be the spot for it as well. Not that we would take that train, but it would go to potentially a multimodal center in the, um, in the local area, in the West Shore area, and then from there over to the airport. So I think and that what you hear there is, is, is the public transit option is really the only way we're going to get there from the land side. I think most airports have the airfield capacity. You alluded to next gen earlier where the aircraft can space more closely on their way in, as, and we get them to the gates just fine. But getting all the way through the airport and out to the curb and the ground transportation congestion that occurs in Florida because of our rapid growth over the last decades, uh, we're not going to pave our way out of this mess. It's going to have to be a public transit option. It's going to have to be more and more shared use of vehicles. Automated vehicles are going to come soon, uh, which we think is further, uh, is closer uh, than people think around the corner. And I think on airports you'll see there's already some automated vehicles in use on airports. Most of it's behind the wall with baggage systems. So uh, a a rejected bag going for a second inspection may go in an automated uh, uh, cart to that inspector. Uh, But you're going to start to see, especially in areas where we have exclusive right-of-way, where we're not interfacing with other traffic or with pedestrians, uh, there's going to be a more and more evaluations done what HNTB sees around the country as our um, automated vehicle group is being asked more often by airports to evaluate autonomous vehicles uh, in comparison to APM vehicles to see uh, is there an opportunity there for some efficiency and savings. Very wise words, Bill. That's exactly why we have some Florida Matters scheduled on public transportation and transportation and automated vehicles. Everything just works together. Um, to make things either efficient or inefficient. So we're going to be doing some, definitely going to be doing some shows on that coming up. Great. We look forward to that. Bill Brooks is Southeast Aviation Leader at HNTB Corporation, an infrastructure design firm. Al Illustrato is Executive Senior Vice President at Tampa International Airport. Thank you both so much for this conversation. Really, pleasure. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. And there are lots of ways for you to connect with us. Follow us on Twitter at Florida Matters, and I'm at Robin Sussingham, or find us on the WUSF Facebook page. Florida Matters is available as a podcast. You can search for it wherever you get your podcasts. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. The engineer is George Govin. This week's show was produced by Stephanie Colombini. I'm Robin Sussingham. Thanks for listening.